Hello, welcome to Shepherd the Sheep. Today we have a special guest from Northwest Arkansas, live in studio, on the phone, from Anchor Bible Church. A couple gentlemen who have been there since the beginning, uh, Jacob and Drake, are with us today, and we look forward to talking to them about planting churches. Welcome, guys. Hello. It's good to have you. How are you guys doing? Good. Good. Yeah, it's good to good to have you on on the on the phone here, and uh, just probably should get this out of the way because uh, you guys each individually you have a name, a God ordained name, mm-hmm. but like like all men that became disciples, they were renamed. <laughs> But you guys were not renamed individually. You were renamed as one. So, <laughs> yeah, that is accurate. Yeah. So, uh, Jacob, as as your name has has been affectionately called. Uh, first time I heard that, I thought, "Oh, I know who they're talking about," and that that worked. Yeah. Well, my my the first thing that came to my mind is uh, what mom named her son Jacob. Yeah. And uh, lo, lo and behold, there are two people. It's a uh, yeah. So good to meet you guys, by the way. Yeah. Um, got a chance to hang out with these guys when, in our uh, pastor's retreat up in Northwest Arkansas. Great time uh, meeting the church and um, Jacob and Drake and hanging out with Greg. Um, yeah. Anyway, good encouraging time. Yeah. You guys' wife don't have a combined name, do they? Do they? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think it flows as well either if they did. Uh, yeah, that morally, would... yeah, no, I don't, I don't think it works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Somebody now who knows you guys is going to come up with one, and they're going to come up to you on a Sunday and be like, "Oh, I got one." <laughs> yep, that'd be a yeah. Game. That wouldn't surprise me. That'd be a an interesting mix, though. I've I've never known anyone to shorten Jacob to Drake, but I guess it could be a chance. I don't, I don't know if I would have ever heard of the name. They would combine for Morgan and Raleigh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. The, that, the challenge has been set. 10,000 points to the best answer. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. points are totally redeemable with your spouse. That's right. Okay. Yep. So uh, also, uh, before we get into it, like this, this is awkward because normally when we podcast, Gino and I are like drinking – coffee and sparkling water and we've we have discovered that not all of us are doing this at this time yeah that's uh that's not really something that drake or i uh, say that we enjoy um <laughs> which one the coffee or the sparkling alone. water or both i, I think both we're, oh. we're kind of not fans of carbonation or coffee so oh. yep interesting wow. It, it just was became the shortest podcast in the history of podcasts. <laughs> uh, well, welcome, guys. We're glad you're here. Uh, it is um, 
I'm, I'm excited about this conversation because uh, it's not it's not a normal conversation, um, and it's it's the it's a different perspective, and I love different perspectives. Uh, I think you can learn a lot when you um, understand different perspectives, when you understand life decisions, commitments from different chairs. Uh, you know, Gina and I, a lot of times by a lot, I mean, most of the time when we talk on the podcast, we talk as full-time pastors who are paid to do this. And we talk about, uh, the church and church life and ecclesiology. And, uh, it's not often where I hear a podcast with somebody who can't add necessarily the title of full-time pastor um, uh, that's not a part of the resume. And yet your church planners, you've been a part of a church plant. Uh, you're heavily involved in your church plant. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you both are deacons and, uh, an active, vibrant part of your church plant there in Northwest Arkansas. And so, um, with that, would you mind just each of you kind of, um, give a shout out to your name so people can kind of recognize the name of the voice and then just tell us a little bit about, um, how long you've been in Northwest Arkansas and, and maybe just a little bit about, um, starting, but we'll, we'll kind of ask you specifically, like what led you to be involved in the church plan. So maybe just kind of introduce yourself and your families a bit for us. Okay. Uh, I'm Jacob. Uh, I've, I guess been in Northwest Arkansas about six years now. Uh, we, I came up here for college um, and then graduated and stuck around. So I've been here uh, yeah, six years at Anchor for all two of it. Um, and my wife, Raleigh, is about on the same timeline as me. She came up here for college same time and uh, that we've both been at Anchor since the beginning. So. And uh, I'm Drake Doolin, and uh, lived in Northwest Arkansas since 2016. So same as Jacob, I came here to go to the University of Arkansas for school. I actually met Jacob uh, within a week of being on campus, and we've been good friends ever since then. Uh, and now have enjoyed the privilege of being uh, church members together uh, for the past few years and uh, so went to the University of Arkansas, graduated, got uh, married almost three years ago. Uh, it'll be three years in September to my wife Morgan and yeah, we live up in Rogers, Arkansas, pretty close to where we meet for church and have enjoyed getting to be a part of Anchor Bible Church and this church plan and to continue to serve alongside and serve everyone as well. It's been a great privilege. All right. Well, thanks for a little bit of that background there. So based on the math here, you guys are pretty young. Yep. Uh, 24. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. I, yeah. I'm Jacob, a little bit, a little bit older, uh, 24 and a half. His is coming up sooner than, than mine. But yeah, both of us relatively young. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, it's awesome because uh, just great to see, like, just, you know, people brag on the, the younger generation, but um, you have people like you guys 
um, just doing great work for the ministry, loving the Lord. And, you know, um, you know, it just, uh, you don't fit that. I guess you're not even millennials. Yeah, what are they? they, they yeah, they, don't don't insult them. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I don't even know what I don't even know what generation you fit in. What would that be? Okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, whatever they are, they're they're great. It's great. Gen- you represent the best. How about that? Mm. <laughs> yeah. So Gino and my wife are both millennials. That's true. I'm like Taylor. Oh, and Jesse. I think she's. Oh, I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's fun to give them our time. I just yeah. missed it by a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, uh, so it's interesting to me because, you know, so you guys are in Northwest Arkansas. You've graduated college. Um, you're believers. And you start you start looking for a church. And what's what's interesting to me is that, um, you know, as, as God leads you and as you make these decisions, you're led to, you're led to join a church plant, which is, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure that fits normal. Like, so walk, walk me through kind of, um, you know, each of your decisions and in, in joining a church plant, because, um, yeah, that to me, that's, that's, you know, that, that's rare that, um, yeah. Walk us through that decision. Yeah. So it, going into uh, about junior year of college, so I guess 2018, 2019 range, we, Jacob, a couple months before me or a little bit before me, uh, found a, a church where Brad and Greg were both pastors at. And uh, then me and my wife or fiance at the time ended up uh, attending there as well. And so we got to uh, be under their shepherding and under their teaching, both Brad and Greg, uh, for a while there. Um, got to learn a lot about the church and about the importance of it, um, the responsibility of uh, us as members as having some sort of role besides just showing up and, you know, getting served or watching and then heading home after that uh, and got to enjoy great fellowship there and with them as well. And so when they were getting this church plan or the idea of it uh, sounded great. And we knew that we enjoyed being shepherded by them, knew that could allow them to, um, to do this with joy and not with grief as, uh, Hebrews 13 says, I think about that with them, uh, being able to submit to them very willingly and joyfully ourselves to allow them to serve us and shepherd us joyfully. And so I think that that was a lot of it was learning about the church from them and a little bit before that through, um, some previous churches and then knowing that I trusted them as a great men of God and shepherds that I would desire to still be under them and their teaching and shepherding going forward. And I think uh, our story is probably very similar for Raleigh and I. Um, but I think we were at a uh, maybe impressionable time in our lives where um, especially Raleigh, she was a very new believer and we were still needing to, in my opinion, for our family and uh, our lives, uh, be under the best teaching that we could find. And uh, going and listening, uh, hearing Brad and Greg teach the word um, was the first time I was like, wow, he, he's doing this right. Like this, 
this is a this is having like a serious legitimate like impact through the work of the spirit uh, on our lives and so knowing that seeing that in the other church um, and as as Drake kind of mentioned uh, they both Brad and Greg and the people at our prior church taught I think me what or for the first time that church was not about me or I wasn't there for me um, everyone there was there to hear God's word to give glory to God through singing and to care for one another and fellowship with one another so seeing that uh, Brad and Greg had both shepherded a church in that way made me uh, want to jump full in to whatever uh, church plant that they were going to be planning. Um, and I, I knew that with their teaching of the Word and with uh, the power of the Word and the Holy Spirit that um, our sanctification was going to be worked out through those things Um so that, that's kind of my reasons why I think it was best for me and for our family in general. That's interesting. Um, when people think of church plant, often there's like this idea of, hey, I want to be part of something cool and hip and, you know, do something um, exciting maybe. But you guys, uh, from your perspective, it's it's more like you want to be part of, uh, you, you want to follow the 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 leadership of Brad and Greg and what they've kind of led you and taught you and, and found just um, that how, how beneficial that was for your, for your life. Um, and so to kind of start brand new in, you know, planting a church with them, um, it, it seems, you know, it's not something that like you're doing because, Oh, it's a, it's a cool thing, right? It's, it's like, wow, let's, let's do something that's, um, spirit wrought and like word driven and um, you know the goal is to to make disciples and lift up Jesus Christ which is a, which is interesting right it's kind of novel um, in comparison to uh, what a lot of church plants seem to do I, I could be maybe misjudging but that that's a that's such a fresh take of uh, of church planting yeah what I heard yeah was, I think oh, go ahead guys Oh, I was just going to say, like, hitting on what you're saying, I think Brad and Greg listed many times, like, you know, I'm not a visionary innovators, like pioneers or whatever. And they were just trying to keep things simple. And so in the same way for us, like, it wasn't any sort of like, man, all these other churches, like, no one's ever been able to figure it out because they've been missing out on this new thing in the 21st century or something. It was just like, hey, they're preaching the word and we're growing from it and getting to learn more about God and how to obey him and how to serve him. And so that, that was really more so the, the draw and the fellowship that we had already enjoyed with them. And I think how Jacob pointed out really well about how they already shepherded that church, seeing mm -hmm. then that we would not be, you know, just jumping in on like two guys out of nowhere that right. was like, man, I hope they can figure this out. <laughs> I, I know there probably for sure was for them. And even for all of us, a little bit of the like, we, no one has any idea what they're doing. And I think that the, the really great thing about that was then was all you could do is what was simple. And so that's what they decided to do uh, as they're studying. I bet Jason knows like more about that because I know he's helping us out a lot and them out through that of 
think they read books like church planning for idiots or something like that. Um, and yeah, you just preached the word and showed up on Sunday and then we all just were there to hear the word and to figure out what it was going to be, what this church was going to be through what Christ said he wanted his church to be. You know, I, I wonder, um, and so I'm, I'm just kind of speculating a little bit here too, but, um, cause when you, when you go to a church plant, you know, and you guys came out of a, an older, like well-established, you know, and but what I mean by established is it's got decades of history. Uh, and so you, you guys kind of centered in on, Hey, they were teaching the word and shepherding people. And, and so what's, what, I, what I find interesting in that is that you didn't say, hey, we were hoping for specific programs or we were hoping for, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, that, to me, that's interesting because in a, in a young church plant, those first couple of weeks, right, like compared to a, a church that's been around 30, 40 years, a church that's been around 30, 40 years has a history, a way of doing things, programs, all this such, and yet that wasn't in your mind. Was that even in your mind before you ever kind of went to that established church and met Brad and Greg? Was that a, was that something they shepherd you out of, you know, maybe, maybe talk a little bit about, about that for me. I would, I would say, uh, it might've been more prevalent in my mind than I knew at that time. Um, most of the churches I had tried or visited while in college before, um, they all were very, I guess, program focused, uh, had a lot more resources and a lot more things going on. Um, so I think that maybe, and that's kind of all I had grown up with, uh, not that there's anything wrong with that, but, um, I think that's kind of what I had been used to, but then, coming to our prior church and seeing how simple it was, how uh, the word of God being taught was prioritized so highly, how singing theologically rich and true songs about God was prioritized highly and seeing how uh, fellowshipping with the people there outside of like 30 minutes uh, a week was prioritized highly. I think, shepherd me out of that where I had to give up like my selfish desires of what I wanted to do on a Sunday night in college and be at church because that was what was best for me spiritually and um, be there for multiple hours uh, hearing the word and engaging with people in conversation after Um, so I do think there's a kind of a, a sense that I was shepherded out of that without realizing it maybe. Um, and so when coming to anchor, it was just like, Hey, we're going to have the word taught. We're going to have some songs sung and we're going to find a way to do communion and pray together and then fellowship. And if that's all we do, then that's all we do. And, and that's enough. And, And people can have, uh, unbelievable growth from just keeping it simple, like Drake said. And uh, that was very exciting to know. Uh, and the other part of it is you 
you physically can't have any of those things at that time as a new church. So whether you wanted to or not, you you have to accept where Christ has his church. It's interesting because so for somebody listening in, you guys know your context and we know your context a little bit, but um, you know, one of the things I noted growing up in Oklahoma is there's this mindset of like the junior high hangs out with the junior high, the high school hangs out with the high school, uh, the college hangs out with the college, and then kind of after college, the young adult hang out with the young adult. So, so some churches have the young adult program, some don't. Um, and so what's interesting is you guys are in a situation where, where that kind of dichotomy and those kind of distinctions don't necessarily exist. So, so when you're talking about fellowshipping after the service, you're talking about, you know, people who, who can qualify for AARP and people who, you know, are looking to like, you know, looking to take their SAT um, and, and even kids who, right. Cause you don't have a kid's program either. And so you've got, you know, elementary kids running around, you know what I mean? So you have a multi-generational fellowship. Was that, yeah. did that scare you early on or were you guys, because you're kind of out of college, but like, did you have this background where you're like, Hey, we want to like, we don't care how old the people are. Like, we just want to f- fellowship with them. Or was that something that you had to kind of learn through? Yeah. Are you referring to at, uh, at anchor or just, uh, the prior church as well, or just the uh, anchor? Well, maybe, maybe, um, I mean now definitely with anchor, but mm-hmm. But kind of was that was that something you had to develop in your mind? Like, like just for example, early on in my days, when I graduated high school, uh, college, like I was, and they were like, "Oh, you go to an adult Bible study." Like in my mind, I was like, "You mean like I hang out with people with kids?" Um, yeah, that, that's really weird. Like I don't even have a wife, and you want me to hang out with people with kids? Like I don't know what to do with that. Um, so I didn't know what to do with it, and so maybe you guys are different. I guess that's what I'm asking. Like in your mind, did you have to like break down some expectations and and mental barriers or was that like, was that something that wasn't part of your history and background? Yeah, I I think that being at under Brad and Greg, uh, the previous church as well, what was helpful, like you kind of alluded to a very established church with um, probably an older demographic overall that when you walked in as a, you know, 21 year olds, it was like fascinating that we were there. And so you got used to that pretty quickly there where it was like, Hey, I can learn a lot from these people and also need to be comfortable talking with them and uh, expressing kind of my thoughts too. If I may disagree with things just so that, you know, it isn't like, Hey, I'm, I'm the young guy. I don't know anything. And like, you guys have been here a while. And so that got used to maybe fellowshipping with that generation, at least for me of a, being able to um, have that unity and those conversations with people that were outside of our uh, age demographic, like you said, uh, and then moving that over to anchor, I really think, and I, I, I don't know if Jacob had alluded to it yet, but we quickly did a ecclesiology study. So Brad um, preached through first Thessalonians right when we got there and he, he went rather quickly through that. And then him and Greg rotated for, nine, 10 weeks, I think, teaching through ecclesiology. And one of the things that really sticks out for me amongst a lot of things that I I mentioned to people at the church now and they come that it's like, hey, if you haven't listened to that, 
you probably should. Like it's, it's very good, but just one of the things that has stuck out to me was the emphasis on unity within that study. And especially as a, a really, you know, a young church, like a church plant that I think that's even more vital because like one crack can be felt and is a lot bigger when you're sitting there with 18 members or whatever. And so I think it really forced us to, and joyfully, not like you don't want to fellowship with people not our age, but to get to know everyone. And it was great because you got to talk to everyone for long periods of time to when you came back the next Sunday, you were like, Hey, how'd that go this past week? Like, how are Gary, how are you doing? You know, young Gary, how are you doing? Like, I mean, you know, it's, it's really great to get to hear about those things. And also the, just the wisdom that everyone has uh, at, at any age um, when you're having discussions with them, the different life experiences that some people have had who are older age and also of just people even our age or younger that we have some really mature um, young believers, I think. Uh, and even in that, we were around Brad and Greg who like, Brad, while being our pastor and our shepherd, absolutely was just a very good friend as well. And so, I mean, we thought he was really cool. I don't know if he saw himself as cool, but like, same with Greg. Like, think these guys are like awesome when they're like, man, I, I probably don't feel that way necessarily. But yeah, that developed great friendships with really everyone of those ages. And I think all for the sake of unity, truthfully. That's pretty neat. Honestly, it's it's um it's refreshing because you know it's refreshing when your when your pastors are um you know I mean you know they're your pastors, but when they're when there's a like a, a friendship with them, right? To where there's not a you know, they don't they don't put this like wall, wall yeah. or they, like they don't stiff arm and like kind of keep you at arm's length. Because cause the one thing I'm hearing is um, basically you have multi-generational friendships. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, to, personally, I'm, I, I mean, I think Titus too is like, is like screaming from the mountains, you know, quit, quit dividing your church into age groups. But, uh, I get it. That's, that's the way the American model has kind of rolled and, and it is what it is. I'm not, not trying to tell other churches they're wrong in doing that. Mm. I just, for the things you guys are mentioning, like as a pastor, you're hearing like this reality that you, you know, you mentioned old Gary after church, you're talking to old Gary and then your conversation, you might mingle in with a younger guy. You know, I, I can't imagine, right. The, the different navigating people from different generations is navigating people from with different perspectives, um, with different life lessons. Uh, and yet, you know, all of us are still sinful people who found who who found Christ and rest in Christ, and there's a joy to that. There's a beauty in that. There really is because it forces you to actually think more broadly, yeah. and 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 learn people differently. Um, it really forces you to become more well-rounded because if you're talking to people from different generations, people with different from different different generations. I mean, you're talking about different backgrounds, different, you know, um, the way they grew up, the way they, where, where they lived their whole life. I mean, that, that every single person obviously is an individual, um, but being able to navigate all those different things, I think just makes you a better, better, more and more equipped believer to do discipleship, you know? So 
Um, that's really encouraging. Um, I think one of my questions was kind of like, you know, how did your mindset change from kind of being from an establishment kind of place to a, 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 a church plant a scenario? And you kind of answered that as you were talking. Um, it, it is kind of wonderful to, to see the, the beauty in, in the, that generational difference between all the members and just taking advantage of that. Um, uh, so maybe my, my next question would be like, how would you advise um, some, maybe a young person, you know, you guys are kind of still young, but you're kind of, uh, uh, you're, you're, you are both married. I don't know if you went through this or not. Did you ever have, did you ever feel the need to be like part of like an age group like yourselves? Or is that something that you just learned a bit was shepherded out of? Or how did you get over that, that desire? Um, does that make sense? I'm trying, I guess what I'm trying to ask is like, how would you advise someone who's going through that stage where it's like, man, I, I, I'm at this church, but there's no one my age. Like, what do I do? Like, how do I get plugged in? Uh, how, how would you advise that person? That is a good question. Um, I can think of a lot of things off the top of my head. It's hard to tell which one is most important. But I would probably start uh, by just telling them that, uh, and, and Drake kind of mentioned this already, but uh, people that have had more life experience than you and who are um, have been walking with Christ longer and are faithful to reading their Bible, praying, living by the Spirit, are going to have great things that you want to hear. Uh, you may not think you want to hear them, but once you start talking to them, once you get involved in their lives, uh, you will realize like you want to hear them. You want to just sit by them, listen to them speak. I know uh, like we could sit in a room with Brad and just listen to him talk and never say a word and be content, hmm. you know, just because of the wisdom that he had. And same goes for, some people at our church that aren't the pastor. Uh, I, I could just listen to the wisdom that they have to say. And to turn that around, um, someone younger than you who is a believer, who is walking by the Spirit, <clears throat> learning things from God's Word, has such fresh and encouraging insight at times that, that you maybe have become dull to or desensitized to or Maybe you never even got that out of the text or um, from the sermon. Like his application or her application mm. might have been a little bit different and encouraging to you to hear. Um, so I would just encourage them that like, if, if there are believers walking with Christ in any age, they're going to have things to say that you want to hear. And um, it, it may seem like you can only role with people your age or only relate to them but um it, it ends up being not the case at all once you jump in and that, that's that'd be my main advice i'll give it to church now that is so um refreshing and helpful especially coming from you know not non like non-pastors just churchmen you know it's such yeah a good, yeah i think that it, it takes a Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, you no, know. you're good. Uh, uh, just wanted to quickly add, yeah, that you, we, as Christians, are saying we have the same authority, no matter the age, and that being the word, and that we also see that we're supposed to prefer one another. 
Uh, and so I think that that also is a, a leading factor in that to no matter your age that you're trying to be practicing the one another's they don't go away just because Jacob's a half year older than me he doesn't have to worry about that when it comes to me or you know that's making it dramatic to some extent but like older ages too where it's like oh that person's young so disregard them or that person's old so like I shouldn't speak in front of them or something and I just think overall humility on both sides to um, understand that you're trying to you know walk through this life together uh, be faithful to God faithful to his word um, and that's regardless of the age and I of course I haven't been an old man yet but I look forward to if I make it to that age you know learning from younger people as well um, and also getting to potentially be able to offer wisdom or insight to younger people so I think there's just a level of humility and understanding that the word is both of your authority and that you both are unified in Christ. And so that, and it can break down a lot of the, the age stuff really quickly and you can understand, Oh, we're all just, you know, saints here, all it's different range, but it's not like these ones should be put in this room and this one in that room. And then maybe everyone will get along or something. Yeah. It's, you know, if I were, doing my ESPN commentary Monday morning quarterback analysis of what you guys are saying, you know, um, I would, I would draw up the little chart right here and I got my little pin going, my TV pin and I would circle, you know, what, what you see here is like teachability, uh, a commitment to be involved and a faithfulness to be there on a regular basis, which we always reference here at Cornerstone as fat. I think you guys, do you guys use the fat acronym? Uh, we don't necessarily use it, but we know of it from you. I think I think Greg has made he made faith, I believe. Yeah, faithful, available, but, uh, involved, and all, all teachable, among, and humble. Oh, yeah, oh, all along faith, yeah. the same yeah. uh, the same concept of yeah. of fat and yeah, yeah. that's offensive. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love job, it. I love it when when people that don't know the lingo yeah. like he just called us all fat and, and everybody yeah. clapped yeah. and said that's a yeah. good thing. You know the cross. Yeah, I think you. I think you said that at your first, the first time you preached uh, when we were still at the other building with Anchor. You oh, said yeah. something like, "I want everyone to be fat," and like, I, I know Jacob and I had like listened to the podcast before, so it was like got him. And I, I kind of, when you said it, like looked around, like looking at people who are probably just like, "What?" Yeah, oh, that was great. You got I, it's a little shocked by you. It's always helpful, mm-hmm. but but uh, that's what I hear, right? Because you guys are recognizing. Um, and, and I think it's valuable that you, you know, just my pastoral advice is you can never lose that because it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how much experience you have. There's more to learn and, and our sin and unbelief never goes away until we're glorified. So, so to be cognizant of those two issues, but, but it's refreshing to hear because what I hear is, is two teachable people and knowing your wives, four teachable people who, love Jesus Christ, want to learn more and want to exalt God and want other people to understand who God is as well. And that that's, that's very beneficial. And, and I think that's probably, you know, uh, how the spirit has worked in you is it seems like both of you early on realized there's got to be some level of commitment to the church uh, and a willingness to, you know, because what you're talking about is not like, you know, it's not easy. You, you're, when you go to church on Sunday, 
you're not saying, hey, the service is from 5.30 to 7, and then we'll go home and have dinner at 8. You're, you're scheduling your Sunday afternoon almost like an open, right? Like you're leaving that open. Like you're not saying, hey, yeah, we can do – we can do this zoom call with you mom and dad at 9 PM. Like you're saying, Hey, basically Sunday afternoon and evening, right. You're just kind of leaving that schedule open for your church, right? Yeah. I would, I would say for a lot of us, uh, I mean, for Jacob and I speaking specifically, I mean, four thirty, four forty-five to nine, uh, give or take an hour, like, I mean, it's, that's our evening. And I think that Greg explains it well in saying that, um, fellowship is a part of our gatherings, part of our worship and kind of alluding back to the ecclesiology study that they did at the beginning and teaching us. Uh, and you, you just hit on it. And I think what's a, uh, a big part of this and kind of, you know, advice for people with wanting to, or thinking about being a part of a church plan or even just at their current churches is, Greg and Brad teaching all of us that it's not like just the pastors are doing ministry and that's it. Like when you're showing up on Sunday, that's why Greg likes to use the word gathering instead of service is so that it doesn't sound like, Hey, Greg's up there preaching and, you know, Brandon plays some music and everybody else who is there is getting served. And like, then they say, hey, that was good, and then walk out the doors or maybe get some fellowship so they have a little bit of extra service after the fact, but that everyone is very much involved in the gathering and serving one another, preferring one another, you know, doing those one another's that you see in a place like the church rather than, you know, looking around all the time wondering, like, okay, well, how can I apply these? You can apply them right in the church, and that involves being active within the gathering rather than just showing up sitting down, getting up and leaving. When you guys started going, when you started, when you made the move over to anchor, when you started deciding to be involved in that church plant, um, were there any expectations you guys had? Um, did you kind of have any like preconceived notions? Um, whether, whether they, you know, maybe wrong ones that got dispelled quickly, uh, whether, whether, you know, any of them were like fears that, that were relieved, you know, um, they, they can be both positive or negative expectations, but do you have any expectations of what life would be like as a being involved in a young church plant? Uh, truthfully, yes. Um, there probably were some fears of just like, uh, how is this going to work specifically like financially? Um, and that might've stemmed from that just being our area of service. So we were seeing it more. Um, but I will say those were dispelled fairly quickly, uh, with the faithfulness of the Lord and just the constant encouragement from Brad and Greg that this is Christ's church and he is going to build it however he sees fit. We are going to go be faithful to do the things that the word tells us to do. And as long as Christ wants us to do those, we'll be here doing it. Um, so knowing and understanding that made me okay with like, hey, we might be here one year or this church might be here 50 years. Or, I mean, it could even be a month and we don't have enough to meet. 
Um, that kind of helped me a lot with that. And then the other, I guess, way that I uh, kind of kept myself from having expectations was, uh, I think Brad said, uh, the value or how valuable a church is is not in how many people there are or um, like how quick it's growing or anything, but it's instead in what Christ thinks of the church. And so just going into it, knowing that Christ loved the church enough to die for it um, as his bride and keeping that at the forefront of my mind helped me like fight off any worry or expectation of, well, we need to have this many people if we're going to function because it didn't matter how many people we had, how much we grew, like the value in our church was in what Christ thought of it. And he showed that to us when he died for it. So that was the way that I tried to approach it. And once again, that is through good shepherding. Uh, I did not come up with those things on my own. Uh, that, that was definitely through the word spirit and faithful men helping me. Yeah. I mean, that's the realistic fear of even a pastor in a church plant. How am I going to put food on the table for my family? But that's good. I, I like that. It's not, because it is, you know, you, um, this culture sometimes I think measures the success of a church by the, the size of the building or the volume of people. Um, but I think Brad was right that, it's it's more weighed by what does Jesus Christ think of your church, hmm. um, and he's the head of your church. So you know what what does the head of our church think about our church? Are we faithful to what God has asked us to do? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's twelve people, hey, it's twelve people. Let's make disciples. Uh, each of those twelve people is precious and valuable. Uh, so that's no, helpful. Drake, did you have any expectations or or um, whether they be right or wrong or um. I remember when Greg mentioned that it would maybe happen. And honestly, my expectation was this isn't going to happen. Uh, he, he mentioned it to us in May of 2020, very soon after we had graduated. And I, I kind of heard it that, Hey, me and Brad are thinking like we maybe still want to be doing ministry in this area. And I was kind of like, that's awesome. That's not going to happen though. Is it like was in the back of my head. And so when it was actually, you know, we were having meetings and things like that to talk about starting to gather with one another. I think all my expectations were already kind of surpassed. Like I, I really, I didn't know if it would actually come off the ground. And, uh, I think what Jacob alluded to and what Greg still says all the time, especially with being, uh, the only elder right now is that this is Christ church. And, uh, even Greg, I know a lot of times saying, you know, pretty much every faithful church throughout history, like, you know, their doors have closed, but yet Christ has been still building his church. And so that that is ultimately, we're wanting to be a part of that, a link in that chain, but that we shouldn't, you know, put it out of our mind that it's like, oh, there's no way that this can fail or something. Just understanding that if it didn't work out, that Christ was still going to build his church and we needed to go be a part of that elsewhere if it wasn't going to be at anchor. And 
thankfully at this moment, or I'm thankful for it, that the Lord has allowed us to be a faithful local church thus far and to continue to serve Him and worship Him throughout, uh, not only just Sunday, but throughout our week when we get to spend uh, multiple days and evenings with one another as a as a church body and members of this church. Oh, that's great. Um, uh, with that, with that mindset, I'm sure like, you know, at least when I got there, I thought the church, I actually expected it to be a little bit smaller. It was a lot. It was, I think it was bigger than I imagined in my mind. So have you somehow convinced other crazy people to think the same way? How's, how's the church going right now? And, um, you know, what's the feeling in, in how people think about the church? Cause I mean, what you guys are saying seems, uh, See, it's it's it makes sense. It make it's make it makes biblical sense. It seems even simple, right? Like just focusing on uh, the things of God and keep it simple, um, and prioritizing the right things. Um, but but like how, how? What's the mindset of 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 um, uh, of anchor these days? And because I, I know when I was there, I mean, it just, it, my my perspective. I have I have a perspective, but I want to kind of hear from you guys. Like, you know, uh, have other crazy people joined you guys? Uh, yeah, I'll try to answer that, I guess. Um, I don't necessarily know how everyone is feeling or necessarily, um, but I think that it's been great lately. I, I, I think that when Brad uh, went to be with the Lord, I think that, at least for me, there was some questions of just like, you know, we were losing an elder and we were losing someone that he was the main teaching. And so I didn't know if there was a chance where, you know, people would be like, Hey, I was here because Brad was teaching stuff like that. And I, I'm thankful that that didn't happen just for the fact that you get to still be members with those people that were already here and be with them. And I feel as though the church right now is, is kind of coming out of uh I, I don't really necessarily mean this in a negative way, so I hope it's not taken that way, but like a bit of what our like honeymoon stage was at the beginning of the church where like we were meeting for, we started meeting in the summer and it was just like, it felt like a party every single night, honestly. Like you, we were showing up, it was like, wait, we're going to fellowship until 10 p.m. every night? And like it was uh, great and now we're getting into the stage where, you know, we're having deacons and Greg is needing help with that, with those sorts of responsibilities and um, him continuing to grow as our shepherd and our main teaching pastor. And I, I feel as though uh, everyone has been very gracious throughout this time. Um, and as a church that we're still desiring to just do things that are simple, um, especially as we only have one elder, not to think like, oh, now we need to go crazy and start adding programs, like you're saying, just because we've hit the two-year mark. So I think that the mindset's still the same just as far as even though there's more people here now that people need to hear the word and that's why they're here. That's why they're at that church is because of the example of the preaching and the fellowship that's going on. Um, not because they've seen other people coming, but because everyone still is, who is there is desiring to hear the word faithfully preached and faithfully lived out of gospel living as Greg in our purpose statement says. You guys have, uh, one of the things that I'm impressed with, you guys have learned a lot. Um, I love it. I love, like, I, I hopefully uh, if Greg listens to this, he'd be encouraged to hear you guys 
uh, talking about uh, just what you've learned because, you know, when you're shepherding, you're, you're trying to teach people about Christ, ecclesiology. You're trying to help people think right about our responsibilities to God in his local church. And you guys have definitely uh, learned and picked up a lot of what I would say are essential one-on-one ecclesiology, but but also, to be fair, um, Anchor and Cornerstone are very similar in our ecclesiology to the point to where, you know, you guys are talking and it's like, you know, it just, what you're saying feels normal even for Cornerstone. Uh, and realizing that one of the things I hear from people is you guys are vastly different from other churches. And, you know, my, my job is never, I never want to like really go study other churches. Uh, I don't feel like I'm here to like criticize, critique, belittle, make any kind of commentary on the other church. I feel like I'm like here to be faithful to our church. And I know you guys feel the same way. Like you're here to be faithful to your church. But it's, it's really neat to hear because, um, you know, like I grew up and the pastor knew about the church and, and the layman, the non-pastor, right, the people that attended, it was like your job was just to come in and kind of sit through the program and go home. And so I love that what I'm hearing is, is you know, churchmen, who aren't paid churchmen like, and that that's both of you. That's your spouses. That's the other people that we rub shoulders with. Like you, you, you represent many people there at anchor who understand what it means to be a churchman uh, or woman. And, and so what are some things you have learned about the church since you've joined? Um, Maybe more experiential, more more experientially, like in wisdom ways, because you've talked about you've talked about you've learned about needing to be committed to one another's, to being there. Um, maybe just if there's if there's anything else to add to that, maybe that's what I'm trying to ask. Yeah, um, this is a one another, but it also like. Uh, I think I'll talk about it anyway because it's also kind of wisdom-ish. Um, but I think the church plant in general up till now has really taught me how to love people, I would say. Um, I think that part of it is just due to the fact that there weren't many people, so you had to go and you had to uh, be in those people's lives. And once you took that first step of getting to know them, and once you had developed the relationship with them, then it was like, oh, well, I know what you're doing this week. I'm going to pray for you for that. I'm going to talk to you about that when you come back. And it changed like a, a kind of a, a mindset of like you genuinely – a hundred percent like want what is best for that person and you are willing to then go serve and pray and do whatever you need to do for that person. And the church, I guess growing up, um, and I, I did not have that in my mind. I, I, like I said earlier, I had it like I was going there and I was going to be a part of some programs and it was pretty much all about 
my personal relationship with Christ, but the church or anchor has probably really, really taught me that like I'm there. Yes. So that I may be strengthened, that I may find rest in Christ and in his word and in the sacraments. But I'm also there because my spiritual gifts need to be on display. They need to be working out uh, in other people's lives. And I'm not trying to say that I'm needed, uh, like more importantly than anyone else, because we are all needed equally for the body to function. Um, But I guess I didn't realize how big of a role each person played in loving one another and the unity of the church in employing gifts. Like it really is true. Like if your leg is not working right, then your whole body is going to be struggling. And so I think uh, prioritizing your time of church throughout the week and making sure that you are showing up um, ready to go do whatever you need to do to love other people, to encourage them. Because uh, that's, I mean, that's what we're, that's what we're doing. We're encouraging one another uh, until we go home to be with the Lord and we are making disciples and uh, spreading his gospel to the nations. And, and that's what, I guess, wisdom-wise, like I wasn't showing up to do um, previously. Yeah, and I, I think among the other things kind of mentioned earlier, um, one thing that was brought up very early and that I felt has been beneficial and that uh, I haven't been a part of a lot of churches that ever did this, which is you know, one of those first nights about talking about Anchor being a thing, just the recognition that there is going to be sin. Uh, and I, I think that that's been helpful. And especially with lower numbers that we've had, like stop putting people on a pedestal of like, that's the pastor. He doesn't sin or like, Oh, there's, you know, this guy and his wife and like, they're perfect. There's less of a front, at least uh, I believe still because of the fellowship that goes on, that there's, there's less of that hiding and uh, more so of understanding that, you know, every one of us is here, not because we have, you know, we're perfected or because we've somehow, you know, gotten past our sin or something, but because we've admitted we're sinners and have trusted in Christ for salvation. And so we shouldn't then expect that all of us throughout the duration of the church are going to walk perfectly or are going to do it individually either. And I think that this church has helped me understand that a lot of um, just using the church, not thinking that I, you know, I think Jacob mentioned it, that mindset of, hey, I, I have my personal walk with Christ. I just come here where other people have their personal walk with Christ, but that you know, we're all trying to get to the same place. Uh, so why would I then show up and act like I don't sin or act like you don't sin just so that what we can't encourage one another or confess into one another or speak truth to one another that would be helpful. Um, I think that that's, that's been incredibly helpful for me. And some of that's just the byproduct of having a smaller church like we have at the moment that I'm, I'm very thankful for. Honestly, those are, 
two phenomenal things that um, just from my perspective are going to serve you men well. Um, and, and probably honestly, uh, I would hope anybody listening would realize that what you both said are like essential one-on-one to thriving in your church relationships. Um, you know, and I'm going to take them in reverse order. One, the church is filled with imperfect people because none of us are glorified until Christ has returned or raised us from the dead. And so as long as none of us are in our glorified form, uh, you're going to be dealing with your sin and other people's sin, which helps us have right expectations, right? Uh, and, and I've seen this now in 10 years of ministry where, you know, somebody comes in and they're disgusted because, whoa, somebody else isn't perfect. And it's like, yeah, and I, and I get it. That's That's frustrating. I do understand um, other people's sin can be frustrating. Um, you know, and sometimes, unfortunately, you'll see people sin in the church and you'll think the leader, you, you know, we're, we're prone to blame the leaders of the church. So I think what you just said is really good. Like, no, we're actually here to shepherd and to, like not just the pastors, but all of us are here. And this is now incorporating Jacob, your answer to shepherd these souls. And so even Jacob, like you pointed out, right, these one another's like my gifts, even if my gifts are admin, even if like, hey, I'm just here, like my, my best gift to the church is I'm, I'm a super admin and I take care of the church's books. Like those one another still apply to us. And so realizing that, that I need these people involved in my life, and, and I don't think it's selfish what you said, you need me involved in your life, uh, you know, obviously right. You're right in that, that, that it sounds weird to say, but it's true. And it's true because Ephesians four says it's true that, that we are all gifted for the sake of building up the body of Christ for the work of ministry until we've all attained to basically the perfection of Jesus Christ, which isn't until he calls us home or he returns. So no, I think you guys, excellent answers. Um, I'm going to ask this one last question. Um, what advice would you give to me if I were thinking about leaving my church um, or maybe frustrated with my church? That's a, that's a hard question, but um. <laughs> yes, uh, we, we won't do the Fox news thing. You have 20 seconds. Go. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah. So a point of, I guess, clarification before I do start an answer is uh Throughout this whole time, I feel like we have been mentioning Brad and Greg a lot, but I, uh, I never want it to sound like we are just following two men um, or chasing after just a leader. Um, I think their godliness and they're rooted in the word and the truth and their teaching of that is truly what we were following was uh, that it was the most biblical thing. I guess that would also kind of lead into my uh, advice. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and I think tell people to leave churches or um, maybe, I guess you, you should make the decision that's best for you and your family based on wisdom and prayer and uh, maybe discussion with pastors at your church. But um, if you, your church is not 
biblical uh, blatantly in uh, gospel areas in maybe some of the more major areas of ecclesiology um, is when I would start to consider it. Uh, it's And there are plenty of like good churches out there. Um, and I think that the hard part for me now is seeing that, like how sweet a great church is and how um, much growth can happen at a great church and how your, I mean, your life is sustained and it is changed by a great church. And if, if you don't have that, you will be lacking somewhere. Um, and so it'll be hard to probably like ever picture, uh, like settling for less, I guess is the word that I would be saying or using for now. But my advice would be to just find the best teaching that you can find. Uh, if your church has good teaching, it may be best for you to stay there, um, and to faithfully serve those people and sit under the teaching there. If your church has obviously bad or heretical teaching, it's probably time to uh, move on very quickly um, and then find the teaching that is truthfully the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit do the work through that and you will be sanctified, uh, people in the church will be sanctified and you will just be growing uh, to be more and more like Christ altogether, and and it is truly so sweet when that is happening. You know, I think just watching you guys and and knowing a little bit about your history and kind of where you come from and where where you're going and where the church is at, what what's helpful to me is realizing that that sometimes you're frustrated with your church, uh, and what a lot of people don't realize is your pastors may also share this similar frustration. And so if, if the assumption from, quote-unquote, the pew perspective is, oh, this, this church isn't what I want it to be, so I'm going to leave, like sometimes you're better off to go to the pastors because what are, what are pastors supposed to do? Stand up and say, hey, you guys aren't what I want you to be, so uh, like we're going to change? Like you have to lead people. You have to lead people, and that takes time and instruction. Um, it is helpful to have, right, it, it's a team thing. Your church is a team mentality. And so the one thing you guys, I think what I love about you guys and, and other people at Anchor and, and even people at Cornerstone is the vision of what the church should be is not just from the leaders, right? You have, the leaders have told you what the vision is and you guys have bought into it. So I think sometimes people want that and they don't realize they're actually a part of the catalyst for changing the church, but instead in their mind, that's the leader's job or the church isn't. So let me go find a church that is not realizing that that mentality, the second you walk into that church, you have brought the wrong mentality into the church and you're now not a catalyst for making the change like that. That's one thing I would say kind of as an outsider observing you guys is that you've been, you've, you've realized what the, what the elders are teaching you to do. And you've said, no, this is what we've got to do. And to me that, you know, I wonder how much of a, a role that would play if somebody came to me and said, I'm thinking about leaving my church, which 
surprisingly does happen mm-hmm. from other parts of the country. I think that's usually my answer. You're to be a catalyst for change. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right. Drake, did you want to – I'll give you the final word. Mm. Well, yeah, I, I like what Jacob said about blatantly biblical. Maybe the alliteration in there helped. Mm-hmm. It sounded good, but – That was good. Uh, I, I think that from – you know, top to bottom and that, you know, not just that the word being preached and that that is obviously biblical, but that that then is flowing into every other area of your gathering and of your life as a church through your songs, through the way that your gathering is organized, through the studies you have during the weeks, um, that there isn't any lapses in that, that it's like, man, the preaching's great, but then we're doing this over here and that's like, you know, really, really not good. I, I think that that's a, a great phrase that he used in there on blatantly biblical. And, and I would say too, and I think he's exactly right that not following like leaders blind, blindly just in saying, man, I like this guy. Um, but also understanding that um, the leaders of the church are really important. And so, making sure that even if the church looks great or the church you're at is, uh, you know, looking great in the pews, like you're saying, if, uh, if leadership is either way good or bad, that can influence a lot of things. And so like you're saying too, we're realizing maybe your leader feels the same way as you. And so your decision isn't then to leave the church, but to understand, Oh, this is what he is thinking as well. And I believe what he's thinking the church should be is biblical. And so I need to join in that. And I think that you worded it well, Jason, in saying that it's what Greg and Brad have established that this church needs to be, that then we understand that and then desire to do that rather than thinking, okay, they came up with this out of nowhere. And I guess, you know, they're, they're wiser than me. So I'll do it. But now that they're, going back to the word on everything that they're trying to do and, and building this church to um, be Christ's bride and to purify it. And so I think that just following that, like you're saying, is understanding that they've taken the time as our leaders to establish what this church should look like. And then us as members seeing that same stuff communicated in the word and then therefore acting out. I love it. Hey, you guys are doing a good work. Good stuff, man. Young, wise, and willing. Yep. Yep. Yeah, don't <laughs> let that go to your head, though. Yeah. True. Uh, keep your no. nose to the grindstone. Hey, you guys are doing good. Hey, uh, thanks for thanks for being on. Uh, we that's good stuff. Uh, I hope I hope somebody listening in uh, realizes that uh, I think what you guys have is the perspective that all of us should have. And I I even it's weird. I don't know if it's wrong or not but i even think like hey if if i had to stop being a pastor like really half of my life should not stop being what it is in terms of the way it relates to the church i may just not stand up behind the pulpit anymore and rant and rave Um, because i think you guys' perspective is what it means to be a christian not like this this like dichotomy or like special classification of, Oh, well these guys are leaders. That's, that's what a leader should be. Like in my, in my understanding, a leader is a good example of a Christian. Uh, and, and we, all of us, whether you're deacon or elder pastor, 
we are all members first and whatever other responsibility we have or title we have is indicative of some extra responsibility that we're to go above and beyond to do. And so uh, you guys, proud of you guys. Um, we pray for Anchor. We love we love you guys over here at in, in Vegas. Uh, so pray for you guys regularly from the pulpit. Uh, I know people over here love you guys and uh, thankful for you. Uh, all you guys need to do is is uh, you need to road trip out here and then like uh, spend the weekend out here, and you can't tell anybody what happens because when you're in <laughs> Vegas, it stays in Vegas, but you can still have a good time. So you know, uh, it'll be clean yeah. Christian fun though. Not none of that stuff that you see in the movies. <laughs> yeah, we won't even go, we won't even go to the strip. Honestly, nobody likes the strip in Vegas. So sounds like a sounds like a plan. But, yeah. man, thank you guys and for. The encouragement as well, and just always for praying for us. We're, we're very thankful Absolutely. for you all and uh, getting to, you know, be in this part of church history together with you guys. Absolutely. My only my only complaint about this year was that the Sooners couldn't beat Arkansas in the college men's baseball World Series. Instead, we had to lose to Ole Miss. So that was that was a bummer. I would have rather yeah. lost to Arkansas than Ole Miss, but it is what it is. All right, well, let me do the closing music, and then you guys hang on for a second, and we'll say goodbye off air. Sounds good.